0: Hello, I'm Phil Svitak, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of giving you specific takeaway, providing inspiration, all in the hopes that you and your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, let's talk about the duality of life. Now, this is not a new subject for me, but uh, I want to talk about it in a new context, perhaps. And what I mean by the duality of life, if you haven't uh, checked out other episodes about this, is that multiple things are happening all at once you know some good some bad uh, to varying degrees some both good and bad all at the same time as like the actual thing right uh, so life is very strange in that way some of it can be related some of it's coincidental and so forth right but one of the reasons why I'm a big advocate of mastering mental fortitude as is the title of uh, my nonfiction book, is because, you know, that's life. And as artists, if we're to succeed in anything, we have to be able to navigate all of these things as they come. You know, last week I talked about this idea that there are people in life that seemingly make everything look easy. But that doesn't mean (laughs) that life isn't difficult for them. It's just they know how to deal with that stuff. And so for me, you know, that's kind of what last week and, you know, now heading into this week really is all about, is really examining the duality of life, the things that are both good and you get to celebrate, but also the things that are, you know, not so great. And, you know, of course, that also applies to the wider scope of life, right? But I'm going to specifically talk about it for me and what that means. But, you know, certainly you can look at amazing, beautiful things in the world. And sometimes we have a negative bias and just see the negative stuff. I think it's important to see the good stuff. There's a lot of beautiful, amazing things happening uh, in the world. And simultaneously, there's also really negative things, whether Iran, whether Ukraine, and so forth. Right, just um, lots, lots of stuff happening all at once, but I want to kind of go into the microcosm, and just highlight, you know, my journey. Right, so one of the big, big things was um, finishing an outline for uh, a, a trilogy of movies that I'm working on, and I had you know, a rough, rough outline initially when I began all of this. But now, you know, as time has gone by, I literally wrote, you know, a very detailed, like, 16-page, almost beat-by-beat, if you will, version of what, you know, movie number one of this trilogy would be. Uh, You know, a lot of, puzzle pieces are starting to fit together right still a lot missing but at least you know I can start to see the picture in my mind's eye to the point that you know my collaborators I emailed them and was like hey I feel good that it's at a point where you know your feedback would be valuable so let's you know schedule a time and well, let's talk about this. Let's, let's figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what you stuff have questions on, what you think can be enhanced, yada, 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 right? And so, you know, that's where we're in the process of scheduling. Um, and I think it'll happen this weekend. And I'm excited for it. Um, I think, you know, it's one of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate for, for at least myself, but um, other people as well. I think it works um it's getting that feedback you know um there's just something to be able to you know have a sounding board for some of your stuff and and like a lot of times when i have meetings with people after they read my stuff you know they'll just ask me questions and the idea that i have to come up with an answer or justify something is good because it forces me to think in a way that uh, that i'm perhaps wasn't forced to before, right? it gets me to expand on those things. It's no different than when I have a belief and me and my friend, for example, Ian Kaiser, we talk and, you know, he'll ask questions or poke holes at it. It forces me to, you know, grow the idea to a stronger point by doing more research, coming up with more arguments or ultimately gets me to change my mind, right? That's the beautiful part about all of it. And so this is... Part of the process, and I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, I think it really came together very nicely. Um, you know, one of the things that people underestimate is that the ability to just sit down and write can yield really good results, right? And it really was a matter of that just, you know, finding the time and just sitting down and, and doing it. And, uh, and last week, At the start of it, I was really able to dedicate, you know, pockets of good, solid time to this. And, you know, because people think, oh, when I'm inspired, I'll write. And it's like the quality of your work really, it doesn't change whether you're inspired or not. (laughs) Like, it really doesn't. And I'm not the only person to say this. Certainly successful authors, you know, storytellers are on the record of discussing similar ideas that it's all about just sitting down and writing. Um, the inspiration will come, you know, in that way. So it, it, it was great to, to have that. And yeah, I'm really proud of myself for putting together the, the skeleton of what I really believe. Now, the interesting part is through this, you know, the... The second act, as they call it, like if you're familiar with storytelling, the second act is the middle chunk of everything. It's once kind of the story gets going and before the ending, right? It, it, it takes up, like if it's a two-hour movie, it can be like 65, 60 minutes, maybe slightly longer of the entire movie, right? And so that's a lot of time to fill. Um, and so as part of that, You know, I created certain subplots and started moving stuff that I thought from movie number two could play well within movie number one. And so that's why I kind of laughed because this idea of a trilogy, it might end up being a duology (laughs) instead of a trilogy. And that's okay. You know, nothing wrong with that. It's not like I'm commissioned to write a trilogy. It was just my own kind of idea that I thought like at the start of this, it would require three movies. But if it requires two, that's okay. Um, So we'll see. You know the the interesting part is um, regardless whether it is a duology or a trilogy, is you know the ending of movie number one because it is a very much continuation, but you want it to kind of still be a standalone um end of itself um, but I think interestingly enough, like the city we became or I think that's what it's called. It's either The City We Became or We Became the City um, by N.K. Jemison. It's a, it's a book. Um, and also the, the Golden Compass, the first book of Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials Trilogy. Um, those I think equate best to the type of ending that's really required for what I'm going for where it feels like a complete thing and yet you know that it's going to go on and you're excited to see where it goes on like it's a very fine line to thread uh, you know because it has to be satisfactory like when you for, for example my, my favorite movie pretty much is The Matrix right and of course that's a trilogy but as a standalone in fact most people just prefer the one movie in which you know two and three and now four had never come out because it's such a singular entity, right? Like, you know, there's could be more to the story, but it's okay because the journey of that movie was about Neo discovering his own true self, right? And the powers that come with it and belief and so forth. So that's a very complete idea. You know, the idea of his dark materials, I won't spoil it, but it ends on this note where, you know, the main character gets to a point that they've been trying to reach and you know, beyond it is this mysterious thing. And so it's like that, you know, one aspect of the journey is complete, but there's a very large unknown left to it. And I think that movie or that, um, that TV show, because it is an HBO TV show, um, I think really did a good job, but that's because the source material was was really well done. And so, you know, um, a big part of, Whenever an ending doesn't work, is because your inciting incident needs to be reworked. And I've definitely been, you know, that that's one aspect of everything that I've been really focusing on and making sure that is strong. And you know, now I truly believe that overall um, the story is really solid. Again, a couple of things that just by the nature of the outline you know, could leave leave for some question marks, but overall, in terms of where I know how it needs to to go, it works. (laughs) I say that, (laughs) and we'll find out, you know, this weekend, uh, how wrong I could be, But, but I really think it's more of, like, finessing the ending, and knowing that the exact, like, way it needs to end, and I know overall how it needs to end, but now it's about like really, really fine tuning the details. And by knowing that, that will also help to clean sweep, you know, what came before, because I know what I'm trying to get to. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where I'm at with all of it, if you will. Uh, you know, the other amazing opportunity that. Um, that we're now working towards is me and a few of my friends are going to be on a panel at LA comic-con and we're going to be teaching essentially filmmaking right how to make a feature film for and how to make an indie feature film without sacrificing your ambition right that's that's what we're aiming to do so we're a panel of six we had a great meeting on Friday to discuss okay how do we want to structure this? How do we want to go about this? You know, just basically all the logistics. And that was a really good meeting. And I'm excited for for us. Um, We also got our time slot. So we are December 3rd, which is a Saturday at noon in room 405. So, you know, if you're planning on attending LA Comic Con, please join us. It'll be fun to have you. And I think we'll really... Deliver. All of us are excited to make sure that it is a very engaging and use, useful discussion, right? So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, so that's been amazing. And then another thing that kind of out of the blue came up was my latest film, A Bogota Trip, is part of, you know, we got accepted into another film festival. The Silicon Valley International Film Festival, which is in December, uh, let's say mid December. More details on that uh, in future episodes. But um, as part of that, there's an ability to pitch to tech entrepreneurs who love investing in film. And so I'm like, okay, you know, obviously I have a project that I, I could pitch. You know, I've been for the past couple of weeks working on a 90 second pitch, you know, because I was um, slated to do um, a pitch festival through my my college, Emerson College. You know, they do um, a pitch festival every year where seven students and seven alumni, you know, um, present projects, whether it be film, TV, so forth. And so, you know, I've been working on that. So I have a little bit of basis. And, you know, now I just finished the outline. So there's that. Obviously, you know, I don't think I can, I can't, I mean, in theory, I could crank out a script, but um, but I don't think it's needed. Um, I think the time is better spent on other things, right? So such as a pitch deck, um, also creating the website for, crowdfund because that that's kind of also you know as part of this they really recommend having you know a place where people can actually invest money into and for me you know i always wanted to do this as an nft project because i like the nft not as a currency but as a utility the idea that you're essentially investing stake into a film project and you know you're essentially shareholders however, you know, all of this is defined by the filmmakers, how it all works, but that's the basic idea that, you know, essentially anyone who donates money now owns a stake in the film and they can, you know, sell their shares and whatever else, right? Buy more. It doesn't matter. It's, it's literally like you're trading it like you would a stock. And there's just something that I love about that for the simple reason that, there's a financial incentive, right? Unlike with regular crowdfunds of like, okay, I'll sign your script or whatever. No, you, you actually do as an investor stand to benefit beyond just a love of the art. Um, and that to me is exciting. Plus the inherent nature of its marketability because when there's a financial incentive for the people who own stock in it, then, you know, they'll want to help make this movie as big as it can be, at least in theory, right? And so that excites me, that sort of natural engine of promotion intertwined with this. Um, And so, you know, I'm working closely with my friend AJ Joel LeVette. You know, um, I wanted to do an NFT project that was like a short film to start off, and I'm still working on that, but now, given this opportunity, you know, things are accelerated towards this, and that's going to be put a little bit on the back burner, so, you know, right now, I'm putting together the pitch deck, you know, right now, it's all about coming up with the the text, and then, you know, um, this graphic designer, Armani, that I work with, you know, um, she'll put the visual flair to it, Um, and all the while working with AJA to create, okay, how do we want this crowdfund to be structured? You know, and I have to come up with the text for that as well and yada, 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 right? So there's a lot of things and, you know, that's all very exciting, right? You know, you want to get to the place where these opportunities are coming your way. But that's, it's it's kind of, you know, when I talk about like the both the good and the bad of just a single entity, this is the both good and the bad of because it's like it's all very exciting you want to be in this position but it's like now you got less than a month to put all this stuff together um, when you've already got so many other things going on but it's like it's it, it's it, it's wor- it's a worthwhile opportunity and you know y- y- you go for it you, you know um, these are the positions you want to be in and the irony is when they do come you essentially have to dig in your heels even harder and work, you know, three times as much even though you already thought, you know, you were working twice as hard and you got to go three times as hard. So, yeah, sometimes that's just kind of what it takes and, um, you know, you have to really embrace it and, you know, we'll see how it all turns out. You know, all I can do is put my best foot forward. All I can do is ultimately try. It gives me something to aim for you know i'm sure like in the in the crux of this like with the pitch deck right it would be amazing and i've been i've started this process right where we're creating the character sketches of the main characters because i want to visualize them for myself in order to write the story better right if i can see them then i can know how they act and yada 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 right and it would be amazing for the pitch deck to be able to lay out each of those characters you know, from a visual standpoint with their name and so forth. Well, I don't think that's going to happen, at least, you know, not fully rendered and so forth. So it's like, okay, what's the minimal viable product that we can deliver? Okay, you know, can we do some hand-drawn sketches, you know, just to show at least, you know, an idea of what it's going to be. And then pick, like, key art, um, if I want to term it as that, of, like, You know, let's have the main character, her name is Adia, let's have her be fully realized and then everyone else will be more just kind of rough sketches and so forth, right? So kind of, you know, picking and choosing these battles, if you will, and and just being like, okay, we know it's not going to be as exact as what we would want to be, you know, because as I said, we are working towards these things. It's just now the deadline has pushed, you know, I was hoping to like, you know, maybe spring of next year, we would be launching um, a crowdfund as opposed to, <laughs> you know, before the year ends. And so, you know, you do, the, you do the best you can, and you can always update those materials later. But at least for now, you know, you don't want to embarrass yourself, certainly, but you want to have, you, you want to be able to showcase what it is you've got, right? So that's what we're working towards, and we'll see. You know, we'll keep you keep you posted on that. Um, the other thing, so we've talked about sort of the good side, right? Now let's talk about the negative side of all this. Um, this isn't as perhaps as negative, but um, you know, I talked about the pitch festival that emerson college does and it's something that i actually wanted to be really part of i had submitted and the thing of it is you know even though it's students and alumni they really are trying to keep it to alumni who are recent graduates and i'm not and so you know in that way um, i didn't get to participate and it's okay overall um for me, it was never about doing it to win or anything like that. It was simply for the experience of, you know, it was a worthwhile experience because it forced me to really hone in on what the story is. And, you know, now it's all coming together because it set me up to be able to have a pitch to be able to deliver um, for, for this, you know, for this opportunity but the downside is, you know, there is there is a hole left in me of like, what would it have been like to present in front of these people? Now, I guess I'm going to get that opportunity in a major way to do it in front of, you know, the, these you know, tech people who want to invest. And by the way, that's another thing why I think the NFT stuff really works. And AJ, who's very much in the space, he's excited for it because, you know, one of the biggest barriers to, to entry right now of people getting on you know getting people on board for nfts is because it's so new and most people like don't really know about it but of course if you're in the tech space that like you know it's much more easier for people to adopt because they know about it right and so he's excited for this opportunity from that perspective right but anyway um where i'm going. As far as with the pitch fest, yeah, it just would have been, it it leaves a little bit of a mystery, right? You know, what would have been like for me to have to memorize and present this thing? So, you know, but I can't lament over it. It's done and dusted, as they say, and, uh, you know, now on to the next. And I have a big, big opportunity to do just that. So, you know, yeah, time to go at it. Um, the really big thing, um, you know, in terms of my personal stuff that's, uh, you know, on the negative side of things is my dog, Chloe, uh, you know, she's been dealing with health issues, which has been scary. You know, she's she's quite up there in age and she's been having kind of seizures. And, you know, it's a, it's a very scary thing because you don't know how to react in the moment and obviously you know she's not one that can speak so you're kind of left to to you know do your best to interpret and so we've been going to the vets and stuff like that so you know as of now essentially it's it's a minor heart murmur mixed with kind of a brain tumor or the start of a brain tumor we don't know um you know we haven't done like full scans of that but you know they know that's essentially what it is and so it doesn't change uh, the prescription of things you know in terms of the steps to take and so you know she's on medication um, and hopefully you know that kicks in and it's meant to minimize the seizures you know luckily in between these episodes even though um, before we fully diagnosed and got them, me- got her on this game plan of medication, you know they were becoming very frequent. Um, in between all this, uh, she she's as joyous as she kind of always was. Um, in those moments, she doesn't look like she's in pain; she just looks disoriented. Um, but it was touch and go, you know, um, because. You know, you, you really feel a sense of responsibility. <sighs> you know, at least I do, and I'm sure I'm sure you do too, but, you know, to, to animals and people in general. And when you just can't help them, you know, as I said, it's not like she can speak to me. It's not like we can converse of like, hey, what do you want to do here? You know, you're kind of left making the decision on their behalf. Um, it's a... It's a tough thing, you know, and then there's also the finances associated with that, you know. Um, so it's a lot. It's a lot. And I know I'm not the only one to ever deal with this stuff, but that's why, you know, I do the lessons that I do because this stuff comes at us and hits us. And I think, you know, I don't know. I get the sense that a lot of people in this world really do feel more and more isolated. I think a lot of us want to help each other, but we're all kind of just dealing with our own shit as best as we can. And so it becomes difficult to to do that and you know we, we do in the ways that we can. Um, but sometimes you know it doesn't always feel like enough. like I know there's friends that hit me up about certain things and you know I, I try to be there for them in the ways that I can. But it's just, I don't know, it, 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 it's just tough. And I've really as I, you know, as we start to close this year out, this year really has been one of the greatest years of my life. But it's also been just incredibly full of losses. Some minor, you know, that, you know, hurt in the moment but don't, in the grand scheme of things, don't amount to much. And then, you know, others big, you know, certainly... Uh, Losing my grandfather, you know, that was a big one. Um, you know, this stuff with Chloe, um, and just other stuff in general. Um, you know, it's tough, and the, you know, the world doesn't always give you the time that you need to be able to deal with all this stuff, you know. Um, like, I'm very thankful that all these opportunities are coming again. If it was up to me, I'd choose a different time period. But, you know, what are you going to do? You got to just, got to roll up your sleeves and, and do all of it, um, you know. And yes, there's a prioritization to it and there's a balance and um, you do the best you can You make these choices and certainly the choices for me, you know, um, I make my choices and a lot of times you know that sacrifices a lot of social stuff for me and um, things of that nature or whatever. But um, for me, my, my, my social stuff comes from creating this stuff and being able to collaborate and have fun, right? So, you know, <laughs> it doesn't sound very cheerful, but um, but it is. I, I don't know how to explain it fully, but, you know, we all do get to make choices in life. Um the tough part is, you know, none of these opportunities, you know, yield me money at the moment. Um, you know, everything that I've done creatively, I've had to um, underwrite through other means, you know, whether it be coaching stuff, whether it be working on side projects for other people, um, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I think that's something that we as all as artists can relate to you know for sure Uh, time and (laughs) money certainly tend to be two of the things that that we keep missing and would help um you know and in that way you know if uh if I do bring any value to you you know and it doesn't put a financial strain on you you know there's there's my movies, my books, all of this is linked to down below, merchandise, or if you want to do a coaching session, that is available to you, or for, um, I've updated my Patreon page at patreon.com slash so there's only one tier. It's $10 a month, and you know, it, for me, it really is about creating a community, interacting with um, people that are part of it, and bring as much value on a more intimate level. Beyond this, right? This, I think, you know, episodes like this and the other ones that I put out are great because they set sort of a baseline, but, um, and a foundation. But then we can get into the specifics of, you know, what people are facing through my Patreon page. And that's why, um, I really just wanted to keep it simple and just, you know, ten dollars, one tier, and that's it. Um, so that is an option, again, if it doesn't put a financial strain on you. Um, so that's kind of, you know, creatively what's been going on. I do want to share other thoughts, um, that I think are worthwhile to consider. And the first one is the power of identity, right? I remember about maybe two years ago at this point, you know, working with my therapist on like attachments, right? And there being levels... Of attachment and five being like you're just extremely attached like it's you know and when I say identity right it can be things like you know being a vegan is a form of identity um, your political affiliation is a form of identity being a sports fan um, and you know your sports team being an identity the city you live in or grew up in all this stuff right and like all things it's not in and of itself a negative it's the level of attachment that you have towards it so you know certainly let's take something like soccer hooligans you know that if a team if their team loses they can cause violence Um, even when they sometimes win they can cause violence towards others um, by the sheer nature of it because then they otherize those not them And sometimes there's even infighting. So it just gets crazy. Um, And I think that's something we have to kind of really stop and reflect upon. Like, you know, what do we identify with? And is it to a healthy level or not? You know, and how do we even define what that is? You know, for me, I'm a big Real Madrid fan and which is a soccer team if you're not familiar. and I enjoy watching them play and oftentimes <laughs> you know they're, they're a team that can be very frustrating because you know they usually pull out victories but they leave it for like last minute and so forth and not always you know sometimes they do lose um, and so when you watch a game it's very exhilarating but I always try to you know go into the game and I'm rooting for them and it has it's a roller coaster of highs and lows but then afterwards win or lose know that I'm not on the team I don't get paid to play right (laughs) so in that sense it's like it doesn't affect my life ultimately (laughs) one way or the other so you know it's just about the enjoyment in the moment and then letting it go Um, Now, some might even argue that that might be a little bit unhealthy because in the moments it has so many highs and so many lows, but, you know, it's what creates that enjoyment for me, but I can detract myself from it afterwards. So, you know, just something to consider for your own life is, you know, what are you attached to as an identity and how does it ultimately affect your life? Does it affect your life in a positive or negative way? You know, to what level? I think that's really worthwhile to consider. Speaking of soccer, the other thing that was interesting to consider is choices going into the World Cup. The roster of players selected by each coach from each nation. We can look to the USA, right? Um, Ricardo... Pepe. A lot of people are hugely upset that he was not selected and rightly perhaps. I mean in my mind rightly so because this is a guy that quite single-handedly like scored the goals needed to get them to the World Cup (laughs) and you don't reward the dude by going. Um, England made similar choices where there's there's this guy named Ivan um, Tony I believe. If I'm mispronouncing his name I apologize. But basically, a major star, like third goal scorer in the English Premier League at the moment, and was snubbed. And, of course, coaches could make the choices that they want. You know, sometimes it's about, you know, particular systems. Sometimes it's about chemistry and things of that nature. But it is interesting to me how sometimes, you know, loyalty above all else goes into it. Versus anything else. Um, and again, it just, just not that like you or I are, are coaches picking World Cup rosters, but just understanding why we select the people that we work with or friends. Um, anything innate in, in, in that deals with kind of choices of, you know, personnel, I think offers a good examination of why we choose those people, um, you know, and really examining that because I, you know, um, certainly you look at some of the, I, at least for me, I look at some of the choices of these World Cup rosters and I'm like, wow, you are uh, not trying to win, are you? Um, so just just interesting to me. And I could very well be proven wrong, you know, I'm not in it day to day you know, I'm just very much an outside critic throwing sort of stones at it, but um but yeah, that's why I try to reflect it back to me of like you know what what's the greater lesson here ultimately speaking of uh lessons, it's been interesting uh last weekend, I watched um uh, which I'm call it the Titans versus Kansas City in football NFL right and the Kansas City kicker missed twice once on an extra point once on a field goal and I did a video on this because I watched it and I could tell before he even took both kicks that he was going to miss just by, by, by his body language his stance his approach technique all that right and I Posted it on social media. And it's been interesting to see the re- responses from fans of football. You know, very much essentially hating on me. <laughs> for having this take of essentially, well, I don't understand why, they, why a kicker would kick this way. Like, it sets him up. Uh, it makes it, it's not to say that he will miss. But it certainly sets him up to, you know, miss more. You know, he's increasing his chances of missing rather than making it. And even when he makes it, he's making his life more difficult. So, you know, that's essentially the crux of my argument. And, you know, people are calling me dumb, stupid. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, this is how all players kick and, and so forth. And it's been interesting to observe that, again, you know, that sort of Some of it deals with identity because you have this outsider all of a sudden, you know, who doesn't identify as a, you know, straight football fan Um, because for me, I'm just more of a casual observer, you know, like I'll watch like the Super Bowl and maybe a couple games here and there if I'm lucky over the course of the season, right? And so I think they could kind of sense that. And so there's this vitriol associated with it. But in my mind, it's like, okay, number one, everything that I like, they say, well, they all do it this way. And I'm like, okay, but he missed, right? So, you know, the result, <laughs> it doesn't work, right? It didn't, the same technique that he used to kick, he missed because of it. So, you know, he can continue doing it, but it's gonna, he's gonna miss. <laughs> And so it's interesting to see people hold on to something that fails. Why would you hold, like, if it was working, fine, but why would you hold on to something that fails? And, you know, the idea that sports, or we can even, you know, the micro-football is stagnant and that, like, the, it, this is the way it's always been, it's, no, sports evolve. <laughs> In fact, a couple times, I you know, I, I linked to articles about like the evolution of football in the last decade. And it's like, of course, every sport evolves, but you know, football definitely evolves. And so, why not like create new ways of kicking? You know, because that that was a major argument of like, well, don't you think if they knew better, they would do it better? Blah blah. They get paid a million, and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a better way. You know, and people should be thinking about it. And and they were like, "Well, you know, would you say the same thing if a receiver didn't catch it twice or a quarterback missed through it twice?" And I'd be like, "Well, if there's a pattern to it, you know, like I'm not the reason I can talk about the kicking aspect is because I'm a soccer player. I know, I understand the fundamentals of kicking a ball, you know, and and the science behind all that. I'm not a, I'm not I'm not good at like, you know, throwing or receiving stuff like that. And so no, I wouldn't be able to, you know, give notes on that, but someone much more averse than me, if they notice patterns of why a quarterback if they're throwing and twice in a row they mess it up, if there's a pattern to it, then yes, I would hope that they would address it. <laughs> you know, if I was the coach, I would certainly want that. Um, so there's that aspect, you know, patterns, looking for patterns. The other aspect is this expert fallacy. You know, oftentimes we think just because, you know, someone is an expert that 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 they don't know, or that 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 they, that, that they always know, and they call it an expert fallacy because when you think you're always right, then it blindsides you. And now, mind you, these are all people online, so it's not like they're experts to begin with. They're just kind of, you know, um, armchair um, quarterbacks, if you will. <clears throat> Excuse me, but all the same, you know, they certainly think they're experts. But there, because of that, there's that inherent blindness. And many times, in whatever field you want to talk about, right? Airlines were a big benefactor of this. When outsiders enter that arena, because they don't know the established rules or like whatever, they bring something new to the table and they revolutionize um, that industry, if you will. (coughs) So... You know, oftentimes it is (laughs) non-experts that bring innovation to the thing. And so, you know, listen, I'm not not saying I'm correct and I'm not the the person that's going to revolutionize football and how kickers kick. But I'm just saying in general that, you know, to not discredit someone who's an outsider asking seemingly dumb questions Mm -hmm. or raising up seemingly stupid ideas because it can lead to something quite beautiful. Um, One of my favorite stories, or methodologies rather, is um, there's a Brazilian coffee maker. And it was a family-owned business. And when the son finally took over, he implemented the three whys. So why, why, why. And this was to essentially deconstruct everything in the business and figure out if it was worthwhile to keep or not. And they did it with everything. You know, um, they needed a hierarchy of titles. Why? Well, so people know their roles. Why? And they, they would literally go through this, and if it didn't stand through all three levels of why, they would get rid of it because it served no purpose. Right? You know, they got to a the point they're like, listen, you know, make up your own title. If 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 being the the Western Hemisphere uh, coffee, you know, sales director was great, and it allowed you to sell, you know, coffee <laughs> to to the clients that you needed to, whatever, go for it. Um, you know, outfits and uniforms and stuff stuff like that for, um, you know, employees, they got rid of it because it wasn't serving them ultimately any purpose, right? So I, I just love that, you know, the three whys. And, and so I can certainly kind of think of you know, football kicking and, you know, the technique that's currently used, quote unquote, um, and just running it through the why um, and seeing, you know, <laughs> how it fails or doesn't fail. So, yeah, that's been kind of interesting to ponder. Um, one last thing I'll leave you on that has been kind of in my mind and I think sums a lot of this up is those who react to chaos best win. It's a powerful one, isn't it? You know, uh, I've been thinking a lot about that. One. <laughs> anyway, thank you for taking the time to tune in. As always, I appreciate it. If you have any questions or thoughts of your own, please share them down below in the comments section or hit me up on social media at philspeetech. Would love to discuss with you. As I said, also linked to down below are the various you know, movies, books, coaching sessions, Patreon, all that stuff is linked for your benefit there if you want to check that out. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and I'll see you next time.